HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Firesider, a health tonic based on the traditional New England cure-all of raw apple cider vinegar and honey. For more information, visit Firesider.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll, Lord knows that country Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte, and funny thing happened to me last week after uh, Robert Simonson and Martin Duderoff were uh, in the studio. Um, we had them come back to the bar and make some drinks, but I had to split because I had to go all the way up to West... 100th Street, and over the last, like, few years, I've been kind of, like, uh, kind of, like, cleaning up my act, if you will. been riding motorcycles for 15 years, and I finally got my motorcycle license a few years ago, and then been working in the industry for a while, and I finally got my food handler's license. I had to go all the way up there and to 100th Street, and then I made really good timing, thanks for the, uh, thanks to the, uh, the A-Train. Um, and, uh, made it back in time to actually have, uh, some drinks with Robert and Martin and talk more about the, uh, the app that they just released, uh, last week, which is the, uh, modern classics of the cocktail renaissance. It's a really cool app. I hope that, uh, anyone who listened to the show last week got to check it out. Um, yeah, 
and uh, and I, I can say that I'm I'm a legal food handler now. I don't know why I'm telling you this. It's just I'm very proud of it. But I'm also very excited to have a couple of my buddies in here today to talk about one of my favorite subjects, rum. Um, so please help me welcome Jason Cousins and Austin Hartman to the Speakeasy. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, man. Great to have you here. Um, so what, one of the coolest things that has happened recently in... Well, two things. I mean, we, we have so much more uh, outlets for, for education on spirits and cocktails and industry. But that paired up with the fact that rum has gained so much popularity and gotten back into the foreground with uh, cocktails. Not only just cocktails, but uh, as a drink spirit like on its own is extremely exciting to me. So you're here today to talk about Caribbean rum, which is awesome and i i'm i'm really excited because like you uh you work with the uh, uh caribbean rum board and I, I don't i've never gotten to go to any of these distilleries um so i'm really i'm excited to have you here but i'm also excited to learn a lot about it so once you jump into it let me let me hear what you got going on with all this stuff okay so we'll start at the uh, the very beginning uh so around the nine, uh, in nine, late 1960s, the West Indies Rum and Spirit Producers Association was formed uh, as basically a trade advocacy group to basically bring together all these uh, craft distillers in the uh, the Caribbean and kind of uh, just advocate on their on their behalf. Um, there was a, a big push for uh, you know a lot of um, a lot of rums um, connected with the United States, you know, obviously Puerto Rico, uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, big, you know, heavy hitters in, in the rum world, um, and so they uh, sort of felt like there would be uh, this net, this need to kind of get everybody together on the same page and uh, work together together rather than you know, working against each other. Um, so fast forward to 2005, which is when uh, this uh, ACR or Authentic Caribbean Rum mark was created, and uh, that was a, a mark or a seal that was created just basically to uh, you know, to establish this this level, this premium sector for rum, which rum has often been criticized for for not having. We don't have the uh, rum doesn't have the the uh, cachet that say you know Scotch whiskey has, or cognac has, or Bordeaux has. Uh, rum has often been seen as something that uh, either tastes like tanning lotion, or uh, you know is flavored in a laboratory, or something that you only drink when you're on vacation and then basically leave in the Caribbean and go back to drinking whatever it is, usually a vodka soda, uh, <laughs> when you get home. <laughs> um, so, you know, one of the, uh, you know, again, the, the goals were always to uh, kind of, you know, advocate on behalf of the distillers, get everybody together on the same page, but also establish rules and regulations for rum, which rum has, has this history of being this uh, pirate beverage, if you will, um, where you can put any number on a bottle, doesn't matter, there's no real rules and regulations, any number saying, oh, implying an age, um, where you know often uh, average ages were used, uh, flavors were used. It was just kind of this uh, no man's land, this wild west um, for a category. When obviously, you know, bourbon whiskey, Scotch whiskey, cognac is very highly regulated. A lot of rules on what is and what is not, um, you know, a uh, authentic spirit. Um, so rules and regulations uh, were established, and again, that uh, that premium sector. And so now uh, here we are in. 2016 and last year we 
we just wrapped up a, a six session education course um, in markets throughout North America. Uh, we were in Canada, Toronto, uh, Miami, uh, Chicago, San Francisco, uh, and of course, New York City. Um, I handled the education programs for uh, New York City, and uh, we had you know the top bartenders in the city come together and go through this four hour class, uh, basically talking about the history of sugarcane. Uh, it's travels from Papua New Guinea 10,000 years ago to the Caribbean, where it's now, um, you know, basically seen as a, a staple, uh, you know, economic, um, you know, powerhouse for that region and, uh, you know, driving the rum, the rum market. Um, so top bartenders came to attend this class. Uh, one bartender from each market would win or not, not so much win, but would uh, take the, the would basically graduate to the second level. Uh, which would be a master's class in the Caribbean and, and, and visit these uh, distilleries and basically see firsthand how these, rum, how these rums are made. Um, and uh, that's where Austin Hartman comes in. He won for New York City, and he's sitting here with us. Um, so maybe we can talk to him later on about his experience uh, in the Caribbean and visiting these distillers. Cool. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like you were talking about, like, you know, you kind of touched on, you know, like bourbon and scotch. Um, you know, yeah, they're... they're it is kind of crazy because, like, you know, certain – a lot of these different spirits are very exclusive to one location or one country. And rum – you can make rum anywhere, basically, right? I mean, like, so it it is really weird to see. Like, I remember, like, I went I went fishing off the coast of Belmar, New Jersey with Dean Ween from the band Ween. And uh, this is a few years nice. ago. And I was in a, a little liquor store. And, like, we were really excited. It was me and a couple of my buddies. And uh, we were going out early in the morning. And uh, we went to this liquor store the night before. And uh, there was Laird's rum. Like, Laird's, like, Applejack. But they, they, <laughs> but they had a rum. A rum. It was a white rum. And, man, I love Laird's. And I'm not, I'm not talking shit on them because <laughs> they're the oldest distillery in the country. Man, it was terrible. It was the worst <laughs> shit ever. It was so bad. It it almost ruined our fishing trip, um, but it didn't. And we we had a great time. We, we figured we powered out. through. We powered through. Yeah, but it was just it was just wild to me. Like, and like I I just, I was really I, I bought that bottle because I was like I'd never seen it in New York, and I was just like, ah, oh, Laird's rum. But this it was is, a sugarcane distillate. It wasn't a uh, apple based product or anything like that. It was yeah. It was a it was a sugar distillate because you, yeah. you never you never know. There's a lot of rums out there. I mean, India is one of the largest producers of rum, and I'm in, I'm in the radio studio right now, and I'm throwing up air quotes around that because <laughs> it's essentially made it's grain alcohol uh, and it's flavored with quote rum flavor in a laboratory and sold as rum. It's kind of like mixto tequila. Exactly. Sorts. Exactly. Yeah. Cause they also make in the same laboratory with the same neutral spirit, uh, a tequila with agave flavor. Oh, oh, it's the, it's the, the added it's that, flavor. Yeah. It's that black market canal street rum. <laughs> <laughs> Which so, that, I mean, you said that like, it's a bad thing. I, now I want a bottle of that too. Um, <laughs> so, science. so, so for the longest time, there weren't really any regulations. It was the wild west. Wild West Indies. Uh, um, so, Jesus. Um, that's that's when I mix Budweiser with iced tea. You know, it's just what comes out. It's getting crazy. <laughs> so, uh, so finally, there was uh, steps taken to 
regulate rum. Yeah, just kind of take back that. Uh, well, bring back this this level of, of, of authenticity to rum. Um, with it, you know, describing it as a, one of the rules is it has to be from a sugarcane product. So be it sugarcane syrup, uh, juice, or molasses based. You can't call it rum if it's not from a uh, sugarcane uh, you know, origin. Um, that's one of the rules and regulations of, of ACR. Uh, other rules, including, again, as we said, uh, minimum age. If you're going to put an age in the bottle, has to be the youngest rum in the bottle. Um, has to be uh, bottled at at least 40%. There's some markets where 37.5 is you know standard, I think, in the U.K., uh, but at least 40% for United States. It uh, has to be distilled below 96% ABV, so you're not selling vodka. Uh, still has some, you know, some some semblance of flavor, some congeners left in the uh, in the actual distillate, um, and then you can't uh, you can't flavor it. You can't uh, add any um, anything uh, you know, either natural or artificial to it. There is a small allotment for uh, some caramel, just for rounding, um, maintaining consistency and color. Um, there's uh, I know there's been a lot of pushback, uh, especially from bartenders, um, purists on caramel used in spirits. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense when you're talking about Scotch whiskey, or you know, obviously it's it's illegal to use it in bourbon. But at the end of the day, the Caribbean, as we describe it, is a region with a sweet tooth, and to them, you know, adding sugar back into a sugar distillate is a no-brainer. And they they look at us like we're crazy when we push back on the caramel. But uh, so with the age statement, how does it really it, like? For instance, the well, the first one that comes to mind is like Runza Kappa 23. So I mean, I know that in very small print. It says between six and twenty-three years because it's Solera aged. But right. how how does that work? I mean, is is it just the fact that it has to have that somewhere on the bottle when like the twenty-three is like the most prominent number on that packaging? I mean, no, well, it doesn't say it doesn't say twenty-three year. Uh, I guess that's technically legitimate. Okay. It's, uh, um, a lot of law, there's like a team of lawyers getting on that, like <laughs> trying to figure out a way to. It's a little misleading if you're going to put a number on there. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would expect it to be the age of of the rum and and obviously uh, you from our experience with with cognac and or, or sorry uh, scotch whiskey or whiskey in general you'd assume it'd be the youngest in the blend mm-hmm. um but yeah if you're gonna put a number on it on an acr rum <clears throat> that number has to reflect the youngest uh, rum in the mix yeah um how many distilleries are there currently active under the uh, acr uh the exact, I don't have the exact count of the distilleries, but it is there's 15 countries or rum producing countries in the uh, and it's not the distilleries that are that are licensed. It's actually the, oh, the, it's countries. the countries. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So there's 15 rum producing countries in what's called this uh, Cara Forum, which is the uh, Forum of Caribbean um, Islands, which is essentially the EU of the Caribbean. Um, only 13 of these islands currently produce rum. So Bahamas and Saint Kitts and Nevis are both part of the Cara Forum. Um, but they aren't producing anything. You also have Cuba, part of the uh, Cariform as well, but uh, not really part of this ACR mark until things change, which, fingers crossed, hopefully they, uh, they are. Um, but we do have quite a few rums. We, we, we uh, tasted 18 different rums as part of this, uh, this tasting, spread out among those islands. Did, I'm just going to ask you one more question before we go to the break. Why... Why didn't I get to go on this trip? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll continue talking about ACR with Jason and Austin. Back in a moment. And this one's called Keep It Together by Zuli. We will be right back. Outside 
Today's program was brought to you by Fire Cider. Did your grandmother ever tell you to drink raw apple cider vinegar? It's good advice and more common than you may think. For generations of New Englanders, a tot of vinegar was a morning ritual. Taken daily, a tablespoon of unfiltered apple cider vinegar can help support immune function and digestive functions. To the base of certified organic apple cider vinegar, Firesider added whole, raw, certified organic oranges, lemons, onions, ginger, horseradish, habanero pepper, garlic, and turmeric. They let this mixture steep for six weeks at room temperature to preserve the living vinegar culture and delicate flavors of the ingredients. Lastly, they blend a generous helping of raw wildflower honey into the mix. The result is potent but balanced, offering layers of sweet, tart, and spice. Fire cider tastes great on its own or as an addition to tea, juice, or salad. Fire cider ships direct from their online store and is available at over 500 locations nationwide. Use their store locator to find one near you and ask for a free sample. For more information, visit firesider.com. And ween rules. <laughs> it was a good fishing trip, Jack. You should have been there. I bet. Um... I'll, I'll I'll send you a picture. You know what? I, I, I got a really good picture with uh, like this eighteen pound uh, bluefish that I'll send you. Maybe that's that awesome. Maybe we can take down the the one on the website of me holding the M sixteen. <clears throat> yes. And yeah, <laughs> we'll just swap that one out. That'll make mom happy. Um, all right, we are talking with uh, Jason and Austin uh, about the authentic Caribbean rums. So before we uh, took a break, uh, we were talking about the uh, the trip you got to go on. Uh, to visit uh, a lot of these uh, Caribbean, uh, a lot of these distilleries are under the uh, uh, ACR. Yeah, under the mark. It was yeah. uh, it was awesome. It was a, a week of well, after the four hour class with Jason that was amazing and super informative. Uh, you answered eight questions and submitted a drink, and then from there the process selection began. And I was one of ten, uh, two from the U.S., ten from around the world to go on this trip for a week. To do five distilleries and one sugarcane manufacturer. Wow! So it was a pretty nonstop trip. Did you get to, like get your hands dirty? A little bit. Cool. Yeah. I feel like whenever you go on trips like that, you kind of you have to at least move a barrel or something. Oh know? yeah, we definitely got to take our uh, hands to some sugar canes out in the field with Mount Gay. Um, drank a lot of Banks beer along with a lot of <laughs> a lot of delicious delicious rum. So what were what were some of the big like differences in, in the like styles and in categories? So on the trip we went to Barbados, Trinidad, and uh, Guyana, and through that we saw so many different types of distilleries, different histories, different um, passions, mm-hmm. you know, island heritage that really kind of came through the different styles. I think Jason can probably explain better that. Oh well, one of the uh, one of the subjects we discussed in these uh, ACR classes was the, uh, the the way that bartenders have been taught um, to classify rum. Um, that's usually based on the the colonial history of the the rum. It'd be it a, an English rum, uh, a Latin rum, and a French rum, all pretty much you know defined on flavor profile and manufacturing process and source materials. So, for instance, with an English rum. Uh, traditionally, you're dealing with a molasses-based distillate, um, usually a pot and a pot still, column still blend, um, and, with, and obviously age. Uh, Latin, usually, uh, again, stable with molasses, but a column still distillate, so lighter in body and flavor, a little more elegant, more floral, and also with a, with a heavy emphasis on aging. Uh, and then, again, with, the, with your French style, sugarcane-based, so a little greener, grassier, um, think like an agricole style. 
um, you, either pot or, or column, but traditionally uh, more often than not uh, column still. And that's the way we've all been taught. Uh, and so, for instance, you, you bring up Mount Gay Distillery in, uh, in Barbados, which is a uh, case in point, an English-style rum. It's a pot and column still blend uh, based from molasses. But also in Barbados, there's a wonderful little boutique distillery, which we, uh, we got to taste in our classes, uh, which is not available in the, in the United States, um, called St. Nicholas Abbey. And they do uh, a pure estate-grown um, sugarcane rum. So they're growing their cane, they're pressing their cane, they're distilling their cane, uh, and it's uh, you know a cane juice style rum, uh, all pot. Uh, I'm sorry, it's a it's a pot uh, column still blend, but it doesn't fit in with that neat little category of English style. It's like sure. a little French English hybrid there. Yeah, and it's tiny. Like they make forty barrels a year, I think. Wow, they produce and it's just ridiculous stuff. It out of this world. And part of the trip too was was seeing the the, the micro of St. Nicholas Abbey that does forty barrels a year to Mountain Gay that produces so much rum a year and just seeing the even contained on that one small island of Barbados which I guess isn't really that small in total of the Caribbean uh, but the passions that they have the different styles the different methods um, their own way of doing stuff but it's still authentic to them it's still authentic to the program and it's all yeah. really good juice is this something do you think uh, or you know um, that kind of I feel like a lot of the, you know, super unique spirits and styles of spirits, they come from kind of like happy accidents. You know, like, well, we we have sugar cane, but we don't have this particular type of still. We have this one, so let's just use it, see what happens. I mean, because it kind of sounds, it kind of sounds like that. Maybe it was like, like St. Nicholas Abbey was just like, oh, we got this stuff, we can make it this way. Yeah, we got this thing. We got this thing. Let's just put them together, and ah, turned out great. I mean, that's how like that's how we started charring barrels for bourbon. You know, it's like frugal preacher making whiskey. I mean, didn't want to make a new barrel. So yeah, just I burned it. Just char- wow, this is even better. Yeah. I, I like that term, uh, happy accident. When you think about rum uh, as a category, it's been three to four hundred years of of happy accidents. Yeah. Some not so happy. It doesn't really have the. Uh, the most positive of histories um, uh, in the trade that was going on at that time. But uh, say, for instance, something like Dunder um, in uh, the Jamaican-style rum or that English-style rum with uh, you know, a heavy pot still use um, and these, these uh, ester flavors, these uh, overripe fruit flavors. Where that comes from is you can call this happy accident of um, dirty stills. Of uh, traditionally stills that were, you know, not the most hygienic, uh, weren't really upkept uh, well, or even um, the uh, these uh, plantation owners would empty the uh, the contents of the evening's chamber pot into into the stills uh, in order to keep the workers from drinking this molasses beer. And what that ended up doing was actually kind of creating these very robust, uh, round, interesting, funky flavors, which is now. Um, the uh, you know the flavor profile that we think of when we think of like Jamaican rum, yeah. So it's been three four hundred years of these different accidents yeah. and different <laughs> things that have created this uh, this category that I think is completely overlooked. There's there's so many there's so many weird stories about rum. I Man, it's 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 the, by far you know you mentioned Scotch earlier. I think it like Scotch. It has such a, a crazy wide spectrum of flavors that can happen with it and just like 
production like for realm like you know like we were saying before like uh, inspiration for the acr was like to kind of like put these guidelines to it but still like with with rum as a whole i mean having these different production methods using molasses or cane or like aging in different ways and different stills and different different cane from different parts of the world you know in like it's just it's one of it's a, it's truly it's a wild it's a wild category and mm-hmm. it's it's makes it so damn interesting and you know like the saying you know what one rum can do three can do better you know mm-hmm. it's, when we're talking about like tiki drinks and stuff like that it's like it's really crazy when you start like getting into mixing those together like for me like when i'm making cocktails i'm sure austin same for you it's like and especially having gone on this trip and tasted all these different rums it must be it must have like really gotten your your wheels turning right well i came back from the trip and was like i need to redo the whole back bar <laughs> like we're gonna get rid of that bring this in and yeah it, also just hearing the people talk about it and meeting those people and seeing their methods too it's like this is just five distilleries i saw like what's going on with the rest of them like how do you see that process or just become aware of it and there's so many rums that aren't available in the U.S. too, where it's like, well, now I want to taste all of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, the uh, the Caribbean itself is about a million square miles of ocean. So you have, and you have, you know, different cultures in there, different, so many different languages spoken. There's a huge diversity to the Caribbean as a whole. I think that's definitely reflected in in the distillate that comes from it, from rum. Like what you said, what one rum can do, three rums can do better. Well, each one of those rums, there's a lot of variance within sure. it. Sure. Is it a pot still? Is it a column still? Is it cane? Is it molasses? You know, what? Uh, how many times have the barrels been used? Is it first fill bur- bourbon? Are we using sherry or port uh, to finish it? You know, um, and at the end of the day, it's a blending game. So it's taking all these different elements and, and blending it together to find your or that uh, master blender's, um, you know, uh, flavor profile of choice. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to play with there. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of hair pulling and... Uh, <laughs> A yeah. lot of better palettes than mine to, <laughs> to be able to blend these things. So I, I'm going to have to ask a question that's on most people's minds. When do you think we're going to see Cuban rum in the United States? I mean, it's hard to say, right? But uh, but it, you as an expert on the subject, I mean, what, what would be your guesstimate? I, I think that's more of a, a, a political forecasting question when I'm not exactly the uh, expert <laughs> on political forecasting. Uh, I, I would guess within... A year and a half. So. I, I mean, and my I would I use the word guess when I really mean hope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could be uh, I could be disappointed. I hope I'm not. Um, but I, I think it's a it's yeah within a, within a year or two. Cool. Hopefully. Another question: um, How many bottles of rum have you smuggled back into the United States? Oh, gee, successfully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unbroken. Well, uh, according to U.S. Customs, um, six liters each. Uh, each trip, of course, um, but I, I did find uh, some bottles. Uh, if you hit some distilleries, um, especially in Barbados, you can find some 1.75s in plastic that fit very neatly and safely in a uh, in a suitcase full of clothes that won't get uh, won't get broken. That's good to know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think that's one of the interesting things about. I think it's one of the more interesting things about rum nowadays too. Like currently, in, for the past decade i would say you know since the cocktail the modern cocktail renaissance started it's i feel like rum is kind of like it's like a collector's game you know like anytime that you or like a friend anyone you know like is going on a trip out of the country it's like all right find some 
find some weird shit for me and bring mm-hmm. it back or find it yourself you know and it's it's you know you can get stuff like a van club and custom or in uh duty free a lot of places but uh it's finding those those weird agricoles and like small producers like St. Nick's Abbey you know that's what's cool to me because like I feel like especially as a bartender and someone who is some like someone who's like hungry for for that obscure information and luckily there's so much of that information and education out there that's being provided like your classes with ACR that we can actually get into it and the you know I, I always say that one of my favorite things about this industry is you you can never know it all. There's always more to learn, mm-hmm. and there's always more room to find out in the world. So much so, more to taste. Yeah, exactly. So I can't wait to uh, check it out next time you guys have a class. I would love to come and be a part of it. Um, can you direct uh, our listeners to a website? Uh, yes, they can learn uh, more? www.acr-rum.com uh, is where you can find out more information about the Authentic Caribbean Rum programs. Uh, there's a forum there you can interact with, plenty of videos, uh, a lot of educational material as well. Um, and that's where you'll find out uh, about any upcoming classes. And hopefully, fingers crossed, by the end of the year, we'll have a new set of classes to announce. Cool. And if you want to speak with someone personally about it, I'm sure Austin would be happy to have you over at Montana's Trail House over here in Bushwick, New York. Um, guys, <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I think we might have to go get a rum now. Sounds good to me. Uh, Thanks so much for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. That's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs just like this one. Until then, cheers, guys. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 